0: Hello and welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and a software developer at Axonic, Sarah Torrey. In this episode, I spoke with Malin Lutwinski and Ross Miles of Segovia Crown Agents Bank. Segovia provides a safe, secure, and reliable platform using APIs to facilitate payments in various nations with complex banking and financial transactional needs. Because of the nature of their product, they had to choose a framework that was also reliable and capable of dealing with these complexities. The choice of using Axon Framework was an obvious one for their team, and we talked about the reasons why. I hope you enjoy our conversation, and let's have a listen. Hi, Robin. <laughs> Hi, Ross. How are you today? We're having a great morning. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, let's start by uh, introducing yourself and telling us a, lot, a little bit about yourself and where you are, and uh, we can get started <laughs> after a good start. So, Marlene, would you like to start? Sure. For um, Yeah, thanks for the introduction. Um,
1: my name is Marlene. I work for Segovia now. I've been working here for a year. I'm currently talking to you from my flat in london which i am very shortly departing for sunny st albans
0: nice fantastic exciting weekend for you hi ross how are you and where are you
2: hi um yes my name is vastly easier to pronounce i'm glad to announce <laughs> and i am i am based in eastbourne the uk for those of you that don't know where eastbourne is which is 99.999 heck 100 percent of your audience um, it's somewhere near Brighton, and it's somewhere near London, if you can possibly take American distances as proximity. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm working at Segovia Crown Agents Bank. Uh, I've been here even less time than uh, Marlene. I have been here since October last year, and in that time I've been promoted, so I'm doing something right. Um, nice. No, I've been I've been promoted from lead engineer to engineering manager because pretty much on day four of arrival, I was told that my engineering manager was was moving on to better pastures or different pastures. So, uh, so yeah, I find myself in the Surprise. really exciting. <laughs> yeah, I find myself in the really exciting role of being engineering manager of a great group of people. So nice. uh, yeah, I'm very That's blessed.
0: That's was great. Nice, very good. Yeah, for uh, for the. Listeners who were wondering why I was cracking up at the beginning because I couldn't pronounce Marlene's name correctly, so but you just did, I did it perfectly. <laughs> Great, um, wonderful. So tell me a little bit about uh, Segovia and what you do as as a company. What is it uh, based on? So if you'd like to start, Marlene, yes,
1: sure. So um, we uh, together with Croatian Bank are now a business that's very much focused on connecting um, remote economies. So this is um, anything you can imagine that has either sanctions on the country as a whole or places where um, the people who live in these countries don't have access to bank accounts or a stable financial system. And um, the overall idea is that we wanna make sure that those places don't get left behind just because of the lack of investment in um, in financial systems there. So what we do is we send payments to people who don't have bank accounts We send payments to people who do have bank accounts, but in sanctioned countries, um, and we facilitate a lot of charity payment and government fund payment uh, to those countries by bypassing the government uh, on the ground, which doesn't mean it's illegal. It just means it's less likely to be um, brushed under the table by some of the governments that consider doing that sometimes.
0: Yeah, so that's really interesting. So um, in doing so, I can imagine there's a lot of um, uh, conflict that arises as, as you're dealing with different nations and different policies and things like that. So um, how not to get too much into to, to the political conversation here, but how do you overcome that and how do you um, make it possible so that people who don't have bank accounts be able to uh, do these financial transactions more easily? Ross, if you like to,
2: yeah. Sure, yeah. Um, so we have a number of, we have a lot of technical mechanisms that we overcome these things with, but we also have um, incredible relationships with the sorts of companies or clients and organizations that are trying to get the money there in the first place. So yeah, when, when you think of it as sending, you know, sending money from one geographic location to another, um, where it's very, very difficult to a frontier market, then absolutely, that is what we do, but we do it on behalf of people that make it ever so slightly logistically easier. So we might do it on behalf of the World Health Organization. We might do it on behalf of Save the Children. Mm-hmm. Um, we might do it on behalf of any number of these sorts of organizations, where it's it's. I guess we start from a an interesting starting point where someone is going. I want to be able to get funds to these people in these locales. Uh-huh. And um, no one else is able to do it. It's like sometimes the phrase that's used: "No one's even ready or got the risk appetite." Is the sort of inter- <laughs> industry lingo for it. Um, and then there's a the technical challenge itself. So we have a, a, an API and a UI that helps people make payments and foreign exchange um, through to these frontier markets, through to mobile network operator wallets, um, through to where there are bank accounts to bank accounts. But um, it's To say it's a incredibly complicated and fragile set of possible services that we integrate with would be an understatement. Um, Yeah, most of our our challenges with systems where um, for very understandable reasons, they are fragile, they're not always available, they're not always working, they may work, they may catch up later on. And that's pretty much normal for us. And you can probably start to see why we have the technology stack that we have, when you consider our job, which is bridging from an API and a GUI that's trying to promote a very reliable, capable, trusted service. We're a regulated bank for a reason. So we give a, an interface of authority, if you like, and trust through to systems that are, we try and bridge to systems that are very fragile can be often very transiently available or not, um, may have all sorts of interesting failure modes. And so we try and graft on top of that, again, this trusted interface on top of a extremely complicated and very, very uh, fluid set of systems.
0: Very nice. Uh, yeah, and Malin, I know you had some points that you wanted to also mention. One of the
1: my favorite um, comparisons here is that we don't fill a niche, we fill a crater. Um, because we are going breadth first. And that is quite the challenge in itself because we are not just connecting with one country very well. We're trying to connect with as many countries as possible, um, which is very much aligned with the the business idea to connect as many people as possible and not make, for example, restrictions on the kind of phones they can use to have their mobile bank accounts. So it's very much low-tech first, breadth first. And we can only really do this because we don't just have amazing connections on the ground. But we also have amazing coworkers who live in those countries and maintain those connections for us.
0: Very nice. Uh, you actually answered one of my questions, but uh, two other popped up, actually. So you talked about the technology a little bit, um, and we'll, we'll get into the, the software part of it. But um, you talked about the uh, certain kind of phones or um, the devices that people need to use. So if you, we are talking about um, some areas that those devices are not available, are they then provided to people who want to use, or um, how do they get access to to it?
2: Interestingly enough, um, I can. one of the things that um, I realized when I, I actually worked on the Africa Cup of Nations web portal years and years and years ago, and one of the things you found out is although the devices vary dramatically, most people have one in many of these markets it's the one thing they truly rely on is their mobile phone networks that's where the trust is so if you want to look at financial services more generally we're a bank so we have a regulated authority blah 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 so we are something that people naturally in this sort of developed market tend to trust but in other locations those things those organizations haven't gained that trust or haven't earned it or have lost it and the trust has been flipped to mobile network operators, which would seem sound a little bit crazy in our environment. To go, I trust my mobile. Do you mean do you trust O2 that much or E that much? But not really. But that's because we've got other organisations we trust more. Um, whereas when it comes to these other countries, these other sort of um, frontier markets, things are different, and that trust is placed elsewhere. So they've usually got mobile wallets. They've usually got other mechanisms of you know, deposits and repositories of money that aren't in traditional banks that are regulated by the systems they have, because mm-hmm. for whatever reason, that's not where the trust resides. So more often than not, it's not a question of do we need to distribute any devices or anything like that? It's how do we bridge the technical challenges from one network operator to another, to another locale whilst doing it With a sanction sensitive approach whilst making sure that we validate as much as possible before we um transfer funds around um yeah and and also at the same time trying to get the best prices on fx that is often an interesting concept in itself some countries by the way have more than one exchange rate they have the official exchange rate that the government endorses and they also have the black market exchange rate which the government endorses so you have a very complicated set of conversations that happen around these things. And uh, so we bridge all of it. It's a very sociotechnical problem that we bridge. Um, yeah.
0: Now that sounds really, really challenging and complex. Yes, Malin, go ahead. Just to add to that, um, what I thought was always funny is that we didn't really chose phones
1: that people on the ground did. And we didn't invent mobile wallets, the people on the ground did. So um, right. at the beginning, yeah. the, um, the mobile telecom providers realized people were using phone minutes, if you remember what those are, to send each other money. So they were converting it themselves into phone minutes and then sending it to each other as forms of payment. Right. Uh, until then, then re- they then realized, okay, why don't we just give you that f- capability on your phone without having to translate into minutes and back? And that's the technology we're plugging into. So mm-hmm. it's not really something that we've introduced to the world, it's something we picked up with in ingenuity by the people using it. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then was just utilized in the way that we do. Yes, it's
0: and fascinating just, just, because Yes, go ahead, sorry. Russ.
2: Just, yeah. Just to add on to that, um, you know, we obviously have the the need to meet meet the, uh, sorry, reach the person on the ground. Um, but we also have some very large organizations that try to transfer to other sort of local centers of distribution, if you like, within certain countries. For example, we're we're a big part of the UN's ability to transfer um, funds, relief funds, actually, into Afghanistan, um, which obviously is very topical at the moment with the the crisis yeah. they've had, the multiple crises, really, that they've had there. And uh, we are a huge part of that. We um, we have an incredibly good relationship with the UN. Uh, for, a, for a bank that very few people have heard of, Crown Agents Bank is not usually what everyone's going, oh, yes, I bank with them. I remember them on the high street. No, right. you don't. Um, unless you were the queen back in two, 250 years ago, you probably don't remember them particularly well. But we, uh, or the king, I guess, back then. Um, whoever is heading the empire, but we don't go there. Um, <laughs> but the point is that as a, as an organization, we've got incredible network of contacts that we can, can we, le- we can leverage to reach these places. And then what we do in the engineering group on the payment gateway, uh, what be call Segovia is we, we provide the technology underpinning that makes that really easy and trusted for people to take mm-hmm. a job.
0: Yeah. That's really, really interesting. And, um, so then this payment method, is it uh, just used by organizations to people and the, uh, vice versa, or can it also be used by just regular people to send money back and forth, sort of like, I don't know, another method of paying your friend, for instance? Is it particular to an organization, or can it be just used by any user?
2: It's, it's primarily – so our touch point, our clients are usually organizations. Um, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they aren't dealing with people. Um, because they often are uh, one of our original I think, originating company or now our client give directly is very much in that bracket of being somebody an organization that enables people to be able to give or get money to people Um, but we're part of that fabric we're part of that payment rail pipeline Um, but yeah we tend to deal with the organizations Um, so it tends to be large amounts of payments Mm but for large amounts of money and um Yeah. One of the things we're very good on is the FX trading as well. So we get good prices on that. We tend to be more expensive on payment because we're going to interestingly difficult places to reach, but our FX work is usually very good to get the right prices there. So I've got very industry lingo now on this (laughs) and I want to stop But that's, that is (laughs) kind of as a business, that's what we do.
0: (laughs) Very cool. So then, um, I guess, and, uh, quote-unquote easier question, I guess, would be then, uh, let's talk a little bit about the technology that you use, because you do have to use some really um, great technologies to be able to overcome some of these hurdles. Now, being in a financial sector, um, it kind of makes sense to use event sourcing. Um, But can you tell us a little bit about why you particularly chose to maybe go to more of a... um, we're going to talk about CQRS, so maybe we start with that. Maybe using the CQRS and uh, modeling your architecture a little bit differently to serve these purposes of um, you know, transitioning money from one place to another or take care, taking care of these financial needs that you have. Um, so tell, tell me a little bit about that, uh, Mally. Go ahead. So I wasn't around for the time when this decision
1: was made, but I am still around to appreciate the decisions that were made. And I think if you um, really boil down banking, what we do is we send payments. We do that quite a lot. And um, especially in our industry, we do it in slightly different ways for slightly different regions. So right. one of the things that's really helping us is to have specific sagas or specific structures in place um, that will repeat or be look similar um, but have slight differences each time. And I think another one, and this is for me as a, Paranoid um, person who always thinks everything can go wrong that will go wrong, <laughs> other yes. way around will go wrong that can go wrong. Uh, wrong, Christ! I'll try that again. Um, everything <laughs> we got <you>. Jesus. <laughs> a pessimist and paranoid person.
2: There you go. It's getting worse.
1: It's getting worse by the minute. Um, the fact <laughs> that the database is uh, event based,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so we have a, a constant stream of events, which means we could potentially see what went wrong in the past and also maybe uh don't have uh any fragility worries in our database when it comes to replaying events or seeing right. um, how things passed that is something that i find incredibly important because right. as russ said sometimes we integrate with systems that aren't stable and we need to just to re-kick off a whole load of events um, and that's much easier to handle in those situations
0: yeah. And obviously you want to be able to see how everything happened exactly as they did and how you get to the state that you are uh, currently. Especially um, so if, I just may,
1: if I may throw this one in, especially if yeah. we integrate with FX because FX rates are very time dependent. So if we right. have an exact right. story about what happened, when, at which time, that gives us ex- ex- just additional credibility when it comes to being reliable on the FX side. Yeah,
0: that makes sense.
2: Well, w- Sorry, one way of looking at our technical choice, particularly around CQRS and event sourcing, is that if we hadn't, you know, used Axon to do it, heaven forbid we hadn't used Axon to do it, <laughs> then we How would have ended you not up building even have thought it about that <laughs> exactly in that crazy world where where someone doesn't choose to use a incredibly great framework, um, we would have ended up building it anyway. Uh, we would have mm. had it, but it wouldn't have been as clean. It wouldn't have been as navigable. It wouldn't well, have
0: been you. as easy. Ross. But
2: I am being entirely honest. Uh Alard has not yes. slipped me five hundred pounds to say any of these things. <laughs> I
0: was gonna say did you send something. Was <laughs> <Which> my bribe.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it, I, mean, it's I wanna actually, get my
0: share to you. <laughs> We when i work we
2: can for talk later we can talk later about how many things are wrong let's do that later on right right now on on the on the, <sighs> the substantial uh, stuff that's right it's actually very similar to um i used to help deliver greg young's course on cqrs and event sourcing in london and it's mm-hmm. very similar to you know, essentially what i came away from his courses often saying because he was very quite famous for saying you don't need a framework to do yes. cqrs and event okay. sourcing which always made. Alard and I laughed going, of course you don't. You don't need a language to program computers. You could use bytecode. Um, And it's kind of the truth of it, right? So we have a very, you know, a great set of abstractions that help us do some very advanced things um, in our system. But you would have to invent yourself if you weren't using your framework. Um, Because of the nature of the systems we've got, we've got to have the repeatability. We've got to be able to bridge the availability differences. We've got to be able to have the auditability to know back in time how did we get here um and we also have to have the correct ability because you know what these systems go wrong errors occur and so you know if we only have a snapshot of our world now then we wouldn't be able to correct anything that had got us here if that makes sense yeah. so we have uh, we need almost every single feature that you would gain from cqrs and event sourcing so we'd have had to build it
0: ourselves anyway right? <laughs> which would have been uh Probably fun, but would have taken a bit more time of what you actually want to do as opposed to yeah, spending it on something that... It would have been a
2: tragedy because we wouldn't be here today.
1: <laughs> well, so to, I can provide that. Just to plug a little, just a tiny bit more uh, in terms of building it yourself versus using a, a framework that already exists. We onboard people. We hire yeah. people. They'll need to be onboarded. And sometimes they've not heard of Axon before. They've not heard of it. Right. Um, Seeker as So what we do is we actually utilize a lot of um, Ac- uh, Axon resources to educate them. It's a lot of documentation there and uh, I would not be a truthful uh, coder if I didn't admit that sometimes we lack on the documenting side of things when we are super excited about inventing new things. So it's definitely yeah. the, the the trusted way of doing it. Um, and it's a very great team that responds very quickly to any sort of requests that we have. So. It's a product we don't have to maintain or build ourselves.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Yes, we do have. Um, I think one of the things that um, now this is not going to be an advertisement on our on our company, but <laughs> just since you mentioned it, I think it's one of the things that uh, we also enjoy because we have that direct relationship between our engineers and engineers who are using the product. And um, I think it it's a two way kind of benefit for uh, for us as well, because that tells us the things that need to be improved on our end and uh, how can we make things better for the users and at the same time um, make our product better too so i think it's uh it's definitely a, a two-way street there so that's 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 great so this this was a, a really useful framework for you and um in in this project that that you're working on um, you just say let's talk about some of the maybe challenges to Let's talk about those a little bit. So what you did talk about onboarding and some people who have never heard of um, Axon for uh, or CQRS for that matter. And um, we've had people who never heard of um, domain-driven design either. So you, ha- you kind of have to start from uh, a little bit higher um, level and then kind of get into uh, a little bit more uh, nitty-gritty stuff. Tell me a little bit about your process and how you get these folks who have never heard of it be even interested in it to have the energy or the stamina to actually learn the framework because that it's a complex framework um, in some ways. So how do you do the whole onboarding and um, piquing the interest in people? Yes, of course, Nellian, go ahead. Um, I've onboarded quite a few uh,
1: coworkers in my time and I always like to go with a uh, little bit of mystery of um, not just not telling them what it is or what it does, um, but introducing the framework and then um, introducing a story within our code um, lifetime and within the life cycle of our code. For example, we right. say uh, payment begins here, it goes through the systems here, it goes through the following events, the events cause um, commands, the commands cause the next event. And so uh, we kind of tell a story in those terms. We use the terms of events, we use the term of commands, we use the term of whenever we persist something. Um, and at the end, most people go, oh, so, That's why this framework makes a lot of sense. And that's kind of a very normal way in which you would record what goes on in our our product anyway. Uh, Furthermore, it really does help to kind of get the grips at the very beginning on just like the basics, what it it means, what it stands for, what do we wanna achieve? And then we just basically do um, a walkthrough and show that these things are important and these things are solved by the way we've chosen this architecture. So it doesn't actually take much convincing it takes a little bit of background it takes the application and then everybody is definitely convinced
0: that's really great because um the way you mentioned it um is wonderful because you actually bring them from sort of a more um lower level onto the higher level because you kind of showed them in the code this is what's happening and this is point a and this is how you get to point b and um or vice versa if you want to find out where point b came from you go back to point a and and figure it out and that way you also familiarize them with with the whole concept of the cqrs which is really great um so how has it been and um tell me how long have you been using the framework for was it before you both joined or before
1: both of our time i would give it a rough guess and say four years four
0: years. years okay all right nice and um in the time that you have worked with uh, with the framework, what would you say some of the added benefits have been? If if um, you've been through a, a new release, for instance, what kind of things that you've seen that were beneficial? What kind of things that you'd like to see coming up? Because I think that's also really important to know.
2: I'm, Go ahead, I, can, uh, I can I can say what it was like for me when I was being interviewed by Marlon. Actually, as a story about this <laughs> I, I remember asking a question and i was blown away by the answer i said how and, and first of all i you know, i should i was blown away in a good way and a bad way for two different questions really so the first question is how frequently do you release to production and uh-huh. it's uh it's it's approximately every week which which i'll yeah. be honest coming from other backgrounds i was like ah, that's pretty loose i i get away <laughs> every day so, so i was like okay that's all right that sounds cool but it doesn't feel very aggressive um, mm-hmm. and then I, then, the, but the question that really blew me away was the, you know, the answer was, uh, was we can do it any time. So mm-hmm. I, I asked, you know, what, what's it like doing a delivery to production? What happens when things go wrong? And the general feel you know, general response, uh, from running was, it doesn't go wrong. Um, and now that sounds a little bit optimistic, it sounds a bit salesy, doesn't it? It sounds like right. things a <laughs> pressure and it's, but it's not, it's, it's actually, it seems to hold true our production deployments are done approximately once a week we uh, we very rarely have any fundamental issue where we go you know what there's there's something to fix in the database or mm. we've not got the migration right or we've not got this working correctly and i think that you know it's 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 a little hard to empirically prove that mm. it's because axon works the way it does but i think it's got to be related to the way that our system works on the basis of this this, these uh these ways it works internally, that we can have such confidence in mm-hmm. our production deploys. Um, so yeah, it's it's proven to not be advertising literature. It turned <laughs> out to be true. So um, yeah, and that's that's a huge deal for us. And actually, just a quick one back to your point around onboarding. Actually, um, because mm-hmm. I think we all know that CQRS, it, it it can be very hard to find people who really uh, grok the the important parts of DDD. I keep thinking there needs to be a book out there that's the DDD, the important parts that will be right. good for people, um,
0: be nice. because people get I'm really hired. obsessed
2: with the less important parts and then they forget <laughs> well, the other important. So, um, but yeah, so it, it's hard enough to find people that have a common understanding of DDD sometimes, and then you sort of go out and you try and hunt for people that also know CQRS and event sourcing, and at this point you are looking for the proverbial rocking horse poo. Um, which is hard to find. So the mm-hmm. what you end up doing, it, what we've seen anyway, what I've seen is that we've managed to expedite the familiarity with what we've got um, a number of ways, partially what Manu was talking about in terms of exactly giving the context, letting you explore it, let you understand it from sort of first business principles, why, the problem space that we have to overcome. That's extremely a powerful starting point. The other things that we do is we've got walkthroughs through the code that talk you know, about why things work the way they do. So you can discover that yourself. And the last thing that we've done quite recently, um, and I know that there's been some talk of doing similar things in the Axon family as well, is uh, around a visualization. We have an hour plug-in, I think it's for IntelliJ, uh, written by Chris Turner. And it's a wonderful little visualization for, for that we can, and it helps people from it. So some people are very visual thinkers. I'm a visual thinker. You I can walk me through well. code until you're blue in the face and I might have grasped 10% of what you said. <laughs> um, maybe. But but when it comes to a picture, I'm much better. I can memorize pictures and walk away and come and redraw them quite happily. And so, yeah, that that, that was something that we talked about a while back Um wanting to have and it's been yeah. a again it's it's been a real boon to us and i think it will be an incredible boon for us going forward mm-hmm. um as we start to bring on more people because one of our big challenges as a company is we're growing we're hiring we're bringing new people in mm-hmm. and um and that's great but then there's as i say we're trying to find people who have experience with axon and all these other bits and pieces and so we're not we're trying to find yeah. people that are able and very very willing to get to grips with these technologies and these approaches, and we're doing our best to make that journey as as quick as possible, quick and easy as possible.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important um, to have the excitement to to learn and want to discover new things for for whoever's uh, you know joining any team. I think that's the the first thing that a lot of times um, I'm excited about too. If somebody's new joining the team, here, runs, okay, I know nothing about it, just. You know, uh, put me right in the middle of it and tell me w- how it works and they're, they're, they grasp it. So um, we talked a little bit about documentation, which is one of my passions, <laughs> which is I got to have documentation. Um, tell me a little bit about how has the documentation worked for you uh, when you uh, were brought into this project and Axon was already being used and uh, you wanted to learn more about it and kind of uh find your way into uh, your project specifically, and also how uh, certain things worked within the framework. So um,
1: I think for me personally, the route was along the lines of starting with the general principles um, through the actual website. So either the training um, videos or just clicking through what things are, what's a command, what's an event, um, all these kind of things. Uh, but then we have and I need to give credit where credit is due and an absolute incredible amount of internal documentation in the code That actually guides you through how Axon works. So we basically wrote in a guided tour Um start here This is where a payment starts is born and then follow the payment for its lifetime Yeah, um, until it uh, finds its rightful place in the pocket of the person that uh, should have the money And um, throughout there, we basically highlight axon features that make the specific problem that we're facing in that specific piece of the code um, clear. I personally haven't actually had to refer to too much axon um, documentation after that, honestly, because the basics were what I needed to get familiar. And then the code was how I really learned about how to use it. And then um, I think the only thing I would be looking at the documentation for is just personal curiosity about like which parts of axon we're not using to a full capability yet um gotcha. but yeah that's roughly
0: and, uh, you talked a little bit about training um do you mind sharing which trainings did you look into or were you interested in so um when i say training i mean
1: there's two youtube videos yeah. on axon <laughs> uh currently i think there were some teasers about that being new ones released soon so yeah if that will yeah. happen that would be fantastic <laughs> Uh, but further than that, that's basically it. That's all it took me to understand the. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to brag, but that's it's. They're very good to help people understand um, the the basics. And I personally came in without ever having heard of Axon or event driven design before. Uh, nice. So that was, I think, it's easier because our kind of product and uh, industry screams for it. It makes mm-hmm. sense. It's the logical yes. solution to a logical problem. I don't know if I would squeeze Axon into, um, completely different problems that might need different architecture but for us it was just it's intuitive
0: yeah it's sometimes uh, interesting to see what uh, industries use it but for the most part it's in the financial and um uh, e-commerce uh, a lot of times as well so um wonderful i'll, I'll come back to the training and I'll, I'll share some other resources with you if you're interested in the future um fantastic so in all of this, uh, you know, using this uh, sort of newer framework to you and then onboarding people. And um, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that it's been so far a smooth sailing, if you would. <laughs> maybe not always smooth, but for the most part, maybe it is. Um, and we did talk a little bit about support. Um, and I know that um, you do have a, a Slack channel with us that you can ask questions and, and things like that. And can you tell me a little bit about that experience and how has it been? and um has it been super useful or do you hardly ever use it i can't say because i, I, I look, have access to all of them so i see what, how you do but i want to hear from your experience
2: so, so i mean obviously my in my relatively short window with having access to a slack channel that allard's actually on um yeah. i've found it i've had it wonderful to be able to abuse him uh on a <laughs> nice. on a minute by minute basis so thank you for that um it's worth worth the subscription charges alone that one um no, no. In, in all seriousness, what's great about it is that it is a very collaborative nature on that channel. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like I've seen it with other vendors where you go, okay, right? It, give us a change request, and we're going to come back with some estimates and things like that, or we're gonna yeah. we're gonna tell you it's on the roadmap in you know, 2030 mm-hmm.
0: or right. anything like
2: that. It, it's yeah. it's not those typical conversations that are really just frustration fountains, Really, um, it tends to be the conversations we tend to have there along the lines of we kind of want to be able to do x and can't seem a way to do x yet and Mm -hmm. maybe there is and so one of the engineers could be a trainer could be a consultant could be anybody could be the person who makes the tea we don't know but it doesn't matter because they seem to have the answer and uh and they're super sweet and nice about it they just talk about it no one's sitting there going well yes you'd know this if you did our 15 day training course and you haven't (laughs) done it yet." Uh, which is it sounds crazy, but that's exactly what you get from a, a lot of other companies. If you know, and that's why you don't want Slack channels with them because they get a window on your soul and your abilities, and they're just going <laughs> right. Let's let's get the marketing emails rolling. Um, no, it, there's none of that. There's none of that. And it's and as a concrete example, uh, Chris Turner joined us relatively recently. He was one of those people that wanted to get to grips with Axon even before he arrived. So super passionate yeah. about it all. And uh, talked to him then when he arrived, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, did you? Brilliant. Um, <laughs> and he, he, he immediately, on, on arrival, we were talking about this visualization. He chimed in on the channel um, mm-hmm. and he's talking away to the Axon engineers and no one's sitting there watching the clock. No one's, you know, uh, taking too long to respond. It's a very nice, vibrant, collaborative way of working, which is very much the way we work internally anyway. And it's nice to see it extend to uh, to another company and a vendor as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. I can say from from our side, we're very passionate about solving these issues that come in. As I mentioned, it's it's a it's a two way street. Whenever we're um, coming across a support question, it's always nice to see. Okay, this this uh, user is using it in, in this way, and uh, they are hitting some road bumps on the way. And how can we how can we make it better? And how can we uh, improve that? And we do have a lot of engineers who are really passionate and really curious to find out new ways of looking at it. And so it's really interesting. A lot of times we have weekly meetings with all the engineers and and you get to hear um, a lot of the discussion and we have biweekly sessions that we talk about just support issues and uh, the kind of conversation that comes up and how sometimes it gets very technical and um, you can see a lot of the um, the people who are joining those meetings are so interested and passionate in figuring out how to how to solve this thing, and they then they go and do pair programming and sit together, and they're like, hey, "Yeah, let's recreate this issue and see how how it's been uh, uh, for for the customer, and how can we sort of improve and help them resolve it." And, we don't always have the answers right away, but at least we try. <laughs>
2: which is well, what's which what's really worry. nice about it is it means we can be more open. So yeah, you know you have you have that sort of conversation with other companies. I've had that convers. I've had conversations where I wanted to talk about things with people at a conference, for example, and I've mentioned it, and then two weeks later, I'm getting sales and marketing emails to, to make sure that my you know my team and myself are up to speed on the latest thing because I've mentioned I'm curious. Yeah. Um, whereas with with you folks it's i don't know if it's the uh if it's just the nature of where you recruit or just the fact that you've done a really good selection of hiring nice people um oh, but you you. You've, you come across well you, you allow us to open up you allow us to say okay. we want to do x and we don't suddenly hear do you know what what you want to do is get X on the server everywhere we don't get that right, right? It's, it's possibly right that might be the right yeah. advice pretty yeah. soon but it is one of those things where we don't feel like um, it's actually a great, great quote that a friend of mine gave me once when I was a consultant for a, a company that sold some software. And uh, I, I used to say, I look forward to going to see our customers because um, I'm always interested by what problems they've got. And his response was, yeah, but you know, the solution is what we've got, right? <laughs> it doesn't really matter what their problem is, you're going in with the solution. And I thought I it, it hurt me, it cut me to my quick, but that that's, that's what I had to think like. And right. to your credit, to the organization's credit, you don't come across like that. It's not like I see you're doing hello world. Would you like Axon? <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> no, we're definitely not to come across. I mean, obviously, we do have marketing and sales within the organization, and and uh, you know, it's it's part of the organization. And we love them because we we do have some really great people who are not pushy, which is which is mm-hmm. nice as well. But. Yeah, I think it's, uh, we do understand on our end as as a developer, as um, as somebody who wants to do development and wants to solve uh, questions at hand or, uh, you know, uh, find answers to your issues, you're not, we do understand that I, for, for instance, if I'm looking for an answer to a, an issue that I have, I don't necessarily want to talk to a marketing or salesperson. And that's something that we, we constantly tell each other to, it's like, do you want to go to a salesperson? No, we love our salespeople. We love our marketing. Uh, but some some questions don't need to be directed right there at that moment. It it can get there at some point in the future if if there are solutions that need that route, that's fine. But right off the bat, you know, if you're using the framework and you have an issue, let's say your um, uh, snapshot is not showing the, the the correct events or something like that. It's not, hey, let me send you to this training first, and then we respond your <laughs> to your question. So that's definitely not something that um we do and we we do understand the frustration around development. If you having it, if you're if you hit a roadblock, you want to just get passed through it and you don't want to deal with anything else other than the solution that can get you through the weekend and not cost you any sleep at night or anything mm-hmm. like that. So that's that's really good to hear. Fantastic. So do you have anything at the top of your mind right now, and I'm, I know I'm putting it on the spot, that uh, you would like to see improved or um, done a little bit differently?
2: I, I, I really think that as a company, you need to find a way that Alar can spend more time on vacation. Um, <laughs> He's they, on they, vacation
1: they... <laughs> right now. Someone, is definitely, is that... someone definitely is that... has a heavier wallet yeah. <laughs> today that... than they did yesterday. <laughs>
2: so when did the acquisition happen that you could possibly go on holiday that's that's amazing um genuinely there isn't off the top of my head there isn't much that i would think you know technically or as a company needs to be done any differently i think you're there are a few companies in tech that are behaving really well and uh, you're one of them, and it's it's great to see from the outside. Who's patting your ass? Thank you. No, no, no. It, it, it's absolutely <laughs> true. It's credit where I, I wouldn't be saying any of these things for many other companies. <laughs> I, I would be well, Shall, shall not be named. Yes. <laughs> I can't. I, there's too many to name. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's true. I mean, it is is a a great company that's doing that's got a great technology and. I would like to say something about it because it's been, I have known about Axon and CQRS and event sourcing for a very, very, very long time. Um, And to have tread the boards that you have with a technology that is an advanced technology is a hard thing to approach an industry with. And it's been a pleasure to watch it happen because you're, you're selling something that isn't easy to buy. It's not easy to understand what you're buying. yeah, yeah absolutely it's a compl- it's a complex answer to a naturally complex problem right And so for us it was for the people who were here when when the decisions were being made, it became a very natural decision, I think mm-hmm. to use axon. Um, but I also appreciate that um, given given the market you're in to keep the ethics you've got and keep the relationship models you've got with your customers, is, uh, is fabulous, because it, it must be desperately difficult at times to, to, to sell something that I say is a complex answer to a complex problem.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. Yes, I I've will. had a couple of chats with your very sweet colleagues at the last conference I was at, um, who were overjoyed to hear that someone actually uses Axon uh, at the conference. <laughs> so when <laughs> I walked up to their stall to say, I use Axon, and everybody was like, fantastic. Yeah um i think that i think if i were to get this is in no way um something that needs to change about axon i think Mm -hmm. if it were to be easier to be considered by others i would um look beyond the marketplace of people who are currently deciding which architecture they should use overall in the first place so for there's so much there's so much financial commitment behind having made the wrong decision yeah when it comes to your architecture so if there's anything um I mean, we can see that uh, Kotlin can also convert Java to Kotlin. Yeah. That's pretty neat. I don't know how easy that is for a framework. Probably not as easy. Um, but if there were more um, bits of information or training courses, documentation, or any implementations that says, oh, you're starting with this model. Right. Um, but you've now decided, access is the right way to go. Here's how to do it. Or yeah. like making it it's accessible really to good... people who've already maybe walked down a couple of steps wrong the wrong lane and don't want to succumb to, uh, yeah, a sunk cost cost fallacy, and instead want to do the right thing, but it seems like a little bit of a scary thing to to do.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that's a really, really great advice and a great suggestion. And that's one of the things that we um, a lot of times talk to new customers, for instance, if somebody comes in and we do have a um, solutions team who sits down with them and talks about their architecture, where they're at, where they want to be. And um, we do recommend, you know, various forms of modeling. And you were talking about visualization. And actually that was one of the conversations I had with Chris, um, which is how to visualize your architect, uh, your architecture, and how to how to make sure that you're designing it in a way that your APIs are modeled correctly. You're um, able to later on um, extract certain modules out of your, um, you know, current module and whatnot, and it's really interesting to see that process. And that's one of the that that's one of my passions because I love visualization. I'm also a visual learner, and seeing that and being able to um, understand it by just looking at it, it makes a huge difference. And those are some of the things that we are in the process of. Um, Either improving or talking about how can we how can we get some of these uh, modeling tools uh, to use uh, in coordination with the uh, with the framework, or if you're um, using a certain type of architecture, how can you come into what we're recommending and so on? So there are a lot of uh, various conversations happening about that, um, which which is really great uh, to hear that you feel sort of the same way, um, which is nice. So fantastic! I'm I'm so happy to. i really didn't mean to for this to be an advertisement on actually like we do great but i'm so happy to hear that um we are doing things that are um working for you at least and working for your use case and your company and uh, the relationships are um strong and we we can help each other to come to a better product on your end and our end uh, as well so thank you so much both of you for giving me your time today i know it's a friday and uh, evening you are well, almost evening your time and uh, uh having this really wonderful chat with me really really appreciate your time
1: thanks for having us thank you very lovely way to yeah. close out the week if i may say so at 4 p.m
0: awesome awesome fantastic <laughs> thank you hey it's past noon you can close the week anytime you want amen
2: <laughs> um, and what we should say is tune in next week for axon how it ruined my life the follow-on episode <laughs>
0: By <laughs> good the bad and the ugly <laughs> By he'll be back from vacation next week so there you go Perfect <laughs> we'll throw him right in there <laughs> alright thank you guys have a great week Cheers. thank you Cheers. thank you for listening to my talk with Malin and Ross please join me next time as I talk to other wonderful guests with great projects and ideas until then Have a great time and happy coding!